Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Fantasy Scoop presented by Dairy Sports, where we scoop up Fantasy Sundays for your football Sunday. I am one of your co-hosts, James Treefry. Chase is unable to join us this week, so instead we have one of the co-founders of Dairy Sports, Sam Deering, here. And we're going to start this podcast off with questions. Um, what we're going to do here is we're going to, I'm going to ask Sam a question. He's going to ask me a question. And in the future, we hope to have questions from you guys, our listeners, to open up each show. So my question for Sam is there has been a lot of trades going on in a lot of fantasy leagues. I'm assuming some teams probably starting off 0-4, maybe some teams looking to get that boost in championship contention. So with four weeks into the season, this trade stood out to me in one of my leagues. So my question for you, Sam, is who won this trade? One team received Allen and Devontae Parker, and the other team received Ben Roethlisberger and Keenan Allen. So my question is, who won this trade and why? So first question here is, um, let's start with the Josh Allen side. Um, which, what, is this guy, what does this guy's team look like? Um, well, this guy did, I would say that a quarterback was most definitely his, maybe his weakest spot, but it is quarterback. So his team looks now like Josh Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, Odell Beckham Jr. With Gurley and James Robinson at running back, George Kittle at tight end, and now with Devontae Parker at his flex. Okay. And then what's the other team look like? The other team had Russell Wilson as a starting quarterback, so he could afford to Josh Allen. So he has Russell Wilson, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson. For running backs, he has Mike Davis and David Montgomery, Hunter Henry at tight end, and now Keenan Allen at his flex, while also having Aaron Jones on a bye this week. I mean, I like that win-win for both sides, but he's got a lot of leverage with both Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson. Um, and Deontay Thompson's a guy that's – you know, been kind of trending up um, even before the season started. Uh, I know a lot of teams, um, you know, draft him in the later rounds. Um, he's kind of sitting there like Deontay Thompson, Damian Harris. Damian Harris is another guy um, that has really trended up because of his, like, impressive performance um, in, trading, in training camp. But I like the Ben Roethlisberger side, um, but I think that – player also needed Keenan Allen um they needed um alluded to Mike Davis I'm assuming they have a guy on the IR correct that was a starting running back oh well he does have Aaron Jones on a bye week this week his is Christian McCaffrey so yes we do have okay yeah I mean I I think it's a win-win but I'm also leaning towards part of me thinks the first team is better um but I also like the trade for the Ben Roethlisberger side a lot yeah, and, and of course, it, it was one of those situations for me where I looked at this trade, and he and this this particular player was trying to shop Josh Allen for a while because Josh Allen, I believe, is ranked in the top five among quarterbacks in fantasy so far. But he has Russell Wilson starting, and Russell Wilson's having an MVP caliber season. So Wilson is his man. He doesn't need Josh Allen per se, and he didn't even draft Josh Allen. So he's getting all profit from trading away Josh Allen. So it, it really was a no-brainer. If I, if I picked up Josh Allen off the waiver wires, I'd be trying to trade him if I had a quarterback that I was starting over him. Oh, absolutely. And, like, even this season, you're starting to see some surprising quarterbacks on the wire. Um, even Carson Wentz is one of those. I mean, I, 
I'll, I'll kind of own up to this. I draft Carson once in one of my redrafts. I mean, I, I started offering trades, like one or two trades. I think I have him like one or two of my redraft. Well, one of my dynasties, uh, you're in it. Um, but I just feel like, especially for a redraft, no one's going to want him. I've offered people like one or two trades and nobody wants them. So, I mean, I'm not going to um, sit here. I mean, I, I'm also in a super flex or two quarterback league. So I had my other QB. My other QB was Drew Locke, but he's out. Um, but I also have Ryan Fitzpatrick and Nick Mullins. So my quarterback situation could be better, um, but at the same time, Ryan Fitzpatrick has, you know, really shown out over the course of the season. Yeah, and quarterbacks to me are a very hard thing to shop because it's such a lonely position. In fantasy, ideally you want that one quarterback that you ride with most of the season. And that's why a lot of guys will take a quarterback high. If you get Patrick Mahomes, in the second or third round, yes, that's a high place to take a quarterback, but he's your man the entire season barring injury. So, you know, it's almost like the ultimate double-edged sword because if you draft a quarterback high, you're sacrificing needs elsewhere, but you're also locking up a position that is not turned out. Like you said, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz coming into the season was probably on most people's top 10-ish quarterback list. So, I would assume a lot of people drafted Carson Wentz thinking he was going to be their man for the entire season and didn't turn out that way. So a lonely position that there's a lot of different ways it can go and very hard to shop, might I add. So if you can find yourself in a situation like this guy having two of those top five quarterbacks and being able to move one of them and get a star receiver in Keenan Allen in return, that is huge, especially this early in the season. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just gonna. So we we kind of talked about one player, both both of these guys. So one of them has to do with. I'm actually. Excuse me. Why don't we kind of make this clear? Which team are you? Which team is yours that you just named? Are you the Josh Allen side? Or are you the? It's not. It's, it's not my team. It's it's just two other teams in a league that I'm in. I'm not. I don't, I kind of keep myself off of away from the trades for the first five weeks. I don't like to get trade happy early. So, James Washington, or excuse me, Deontay Johnson is actually, so in Yahoo Leagues, 87% of fantasy owners have him. And then ESPN's very similar, well, 3% more, up to 90%. And let me just see what he's averaging right now. Because um, his projected stats are, what, 8 to 10 points a game. Let me see this. In some PBR leagues, he's getting over 10 points. You know, he's getting projected over 10 points. He's almost nearly their number one, you know, with Juju health and question at times. But he's been putting up consistent double-digit points. I think he might have missed one game, which could drag his uh, rank down. But he's been... He's been huge so far. In, in week two against Denver, he had 23 points. Yeah, yeah. And his ownership really, like, has gone up. And, like, he's a guy that you've been getting. I know you guys have – I know we're way past the draft now, but he's got a 75. His contested catch rate is a 75, and that's tw- – it's not great. It's 28th in the league. I mean, he has two drops this season. Um. And his fantasy average 
is six points a game, um, a little bit more than about point five more than last season. Um, he ended with ninety eight, just over ninety eight fantasy points last season. Um, but I guess putting the fantasy like statistics off, the some somehow I mean this would be insane to me. Somehow that the Steelers were. Um, you know, rumored to move on from Juju, and we haven't seen much from James Washington. We've only seen flashes a few games, um, which is probably part of the reason why Deontay Thompson was kind or I don't know why I keep saying the Cardinals Thompson, but Deontay Johnson, excuse me, um, is starting to trend up. I mean, they went out and signed Eric Ebron. Um, they have James Conner. James Conner, and then you've You've kind of alluded, and I've, I've brought up this question on my previous like podcasts and live streams that I've had, because I think it's a very interesting question. Obviously, one for another time, but like the free agent class of running backs, I think James Conner has, I think the Steelers have the pieces to move on from James Conner. This is obviously a conversation for, my, for another time, um, but James Conner is coming off, uh, James Conner is coming off an impressive um, a few weeks, but then like Deontay Thompson, like I mentioned, his, his, his stats right now aren't great, but he's another guy that's trending up. And there's a reason, there is a reason why he is owned in well over the majority of the leagues. And you'll, you'll, you go look at James Conner, James Conner does have one drop. His breakaway percentage is at a five. So he's 12th in the league. He's in the top half of that. Um, he's 21st in rushing yards and through four games of the season, um, fantasy-wise, I guess if you want to count it, he's on pace to have a really nice season. His, his fantasy average is 13 points, uh, 13.6 points a game. Um, and he does have 40 points on the season right now. And coming off of week three, um, like you mentioned, he had 20 points. Week one against, New York, against the New York football Giants, a little quiet week. Um, he just had, he had nine or yeah, six attempts for nine yards and his average rushing is, has gone up, um, ever since then. Um, he went up to, um, just over six and a half. So 6.6 average and against Denver this past week against Houston. Um, he had 6.1 average 18 for 109 and a touchdown and, I mean, this is a guy that has really started to been utilized more in the passing game too. And he's averaging what? He's averaging 13.6 points a game. He's got 40 points on the season. He's on pace to have a really nice season. And the question will come to arise is will the Pittsburgh Steelers decide to keep him? Because they have, they, they went out and drafted. They have Benny Snell, which we've seen plenty of flashes from Benny Snell. Even when Jane, like Benny Snell, Benny Snell, Benny Snell has stepped up in those crucial situations and James Conner has gone out. And they also have um, Jalen Samuels. And they also went out and drafted Maryland running back Anthony McFarland Jr., which we've seen a little – we've seen a few carries out of him. Um, he does already have a drop. Um, he is averaging 4.9 points a game. But then again, like his – he didn't play until this, this game. He had six attempts for 42 yards and um, – Average seven yards a carry on those six attempts. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Steelers do because James Conner has been very up and down. He had a great season. He's had some injury-riddled seasons. 
So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do, but those stats that you just named are indicative as to why maybe they will keep him. And as for the Deontay Johnson side, he was a little banged up for the week three game, and obviously they had to cancel their game this well, postpone their game this week with the Titans because of the COVID-19 outbreak in the Tennessee locker room. But before his injury, he had a nine-point week one, and then he exploded with a 23-point week two. So we might be seeing a guy rise, and he might become what – James Washington, or maybe even Juju Smith-Schuster was supposed to be, because we've seen that before. For example, Adam Thielen became what Laquan Treadwell was supposed to be in Minnesota. Maybe we have a similar situation here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And obviously, we, <laughs> Laquan, Treadwell, Laquan Treadwell went to Atlanta in the offseason. I mean, you've, you've got, I know you have plenty of opinions on that. But I, I also want to point out Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, on like one or two of my redraft leagues, one his ownership in Yahoo leagues is just twenty nine percent. There, these are both under half, thirty nine percent in ESPN leagues. Crazy! It's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, That's at the same time, like nobody numbers knew, every nobody, year. Nobody knew he was going to ball out the first like the first few games of the season. Did two years ago teach anybody anything? What this guy's capable of? But like what's like what's crazy about that is like I there's some people like I know I've done I I do a uh, I do a title town show live stream we we talk NFL with Matt Skura I know you've been on there with us before on Sportscaster and he's on the side that Ryan Fitzpatrick has to play like he has he has to prove more than just three four games of the season that he's flashy because we have seen. We have definitely seen years like that. And it's crazy that Ryan Fitzpatrick is, what is he, 37, 38 or something? He's late 30s and he's still producing at that, at that age? Like to me, Even that's as a backup. Even as a backup, that's fine. What's that? Even as a backup, that's fine. You know, it, you, you people all the time underestimate the value of a backup quarterback. He's a perfect guy to have as a backup quarterback if he's the consistent starter in Miami. Like he – is looking like he's going to be with Tua up that hip of his. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, I've had conversations about, like, Herbert and Tua. I think Herbert's going into a much better situation because he has more to work with. He has more around him. But if Tua doesn't hurt his hip, he's number one to the Bengals. And right, especially since Tua is coming off his hip injury, I would even sit Tua for the rest of the year. Like, Tua, I know you're a huge fan of Tua. I like Tua. I don't think he's going to be amazing. Um, This is obviously putting all the fantasy stuff away. But he's the best quarterback Alabama's ever had. And I think he has the chance to be a special kind of talent. And I don't think that Dolphins should pull the Browns and put him in early. Um, But as far as Fitzpatrick goes, career, let's just go through since his career in 2005. So his 15-year career. He's got a nice average of fantasy points. So his fantasy career is two, or averaging 12.4 fantasy points a game. And like you mentioned, a backup quarterback. I've, every time I've got like Drew Locke hurt or some of my other quarterbacks hurt or on bye weeks, you go, on the, you go on the waiver wire, Fitzpatrick is a steal of a grab. And especially since he's only like owned by less than half of the people in the league. He's got a – like he, 
we've seen his arm. We've seen his arm talent. Got a 50% deep ball, deep ball completion percentage. He's got 994 passing yards, which is 16th in the league. So uh, about in the average portion of that, he's got interceptable passes. So interceptable, interceptable passes a game. He's got three right now on the season, which is 29th. And this past week, he's coming off five points, 24, 24, 21. He's coming off 21.3 points a game. He had a 66, he had a 66 passer rating, which went down a little bit, went down actually quite a bit from week three, which was 133. Um, But week four, he had, um, he completed 29 passes for um, 315 yards and two interceptions. Uh, so I've obviously a big reason why, you know, his, his QB rating or his completion percentage was just 64% and his QB rating was um, just 66%. But again, like even, even in the two quarterback league, you can get, you get Ryan Fitzpatrick as your QB two, like myself, he's my QB one right now because I'm sitting here with injured quarterbacks or even Carson Wentz who, who has struggled through the first few weeks of the season. I've got Ryan Fitzpatrick and Nick Mullins. Call me crazy, but, I mean, that's all that I don't have a ton to work with. But, Ryan, I was able to pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, you know, off of waivers, like, through the first, like, what, I think a week or two in the season, or I, I think I picked him up as soon as Drew Locke got hurt. So, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a great grab um, in all of your redrafts, especially during this time of year. And, like, I get your point about, like, like undervaluing um, backup quarterbacks because you're 100% correct. And nobody knew Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to produce at a level that's high um, right away. And he is going to be a quarterback that is going to be trending up. Most definitely. Uh, So we're going to move on to your question now. Do you have a question for me? What would you like me to answer for Yes, I do. So it's going back to the running back position. And the man I'm talking about is Kenyon Drake. And this is going to surprise you, maybe, maybe the way I'm kind of formatting this question. Um, so he's obviously he's in 99% of Yahoo. He's an ESPN. He's I he's probably he's I would say he's probably an RB an RB2 in most people's leagues, depending on how you're drafting. Um, but my question to you is, are you a firm believer in Kenyon Drake? I guess it's just almost kind of like a non-fantasy question because I was reading an article kind of skimming through it and he had, um, players that are trending up and he put Chase Edmonds and Chase Edmonds, like in training camp, the Cardinals viewed him as a starting caliber running back. Me personally, um, I don't think Kenyon Drake is their answer. I think if Kenyon Drake leaves, he finds a team very easily. But I don't think Kenyon Drake is their answer. I think that's another, I think that's another player that the Cardinals are going to have to pay. And they're going to end up giving Kyler Murray big money. Obviously, he's only in his second year. He's, he's only halfway through his rookie contract after this season. But they just gave DeAndre Hopkins big, well-deserved money. For me, we've all we've had people have had multiple conversations about, you know, shelf life running backs. And to me, I think Kenyon Drake has to, you know, 
kind of have that breakout season. And we saw what he was able to do in Miami at the time when Miami traded or when Arizona traded for him. I thought that was a very nice pickup because the Cardinals fell in love with um, with David Johnson because he was able to to excel in both the run and the passing game. And like the fact that they went out and signed or they went out and drafted Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin, I wrote an article on him, my very first one for the Cards Wire, that he could be the gem of the draft be- because of very similar reasons to that. Because he um, – because he can produce and he has proven that he has produced in both the run and the passing game. So I just want to go through this. So on the season, he does have zero drops and he has produced in the passing game, but there also have been times where he does drop those like really easy catches on short routes on those short routes. So this season he's averaging eight points a game. Um, and he's got a one and a half break breakaway percentage. His juke grade is fit, just there's 15.3. All of these are like 33rd, 36th in the league. These are like well below average. And his fantasy points, his fantasy points, just to put this into fantasy perspective, is an RB32. And I would say he's probably an RB2 in most leagues, like I mentioned. So this past week, his best week is coming in week one, which was a, a healthy San Francisco defense with obviously Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa, who obviously unfortunately tore their ACLs. But the week one, week one, he went from he had 60 yards for um, a touchdown, averaging 3.8 carry. But then he has just done less and less. Um, those games. So he went from 16 attempts week one, he had 20 week two, 18 week three, he had just 13 week four. And that's part of the reason, especially in a dynasty. And I know a lot of people um, pick up, like I personally, I have Daryl Williams in one of my leagues because Damian Williams has opted out. I mean, I, I don't see Daryl Williams like producing a whole lot, but if Clyde Edwards Hilaire all of a sudden goes out and like we've seen the injury bug around the NFL and it's really tough to see. So I guess my, my question to you is, are you a firm believer in Kenyon Drake for the future? You know, I'm, to me, I am a firm believer of Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals offense forward. Whether or not that includes Kenyon Drake is a mystery. I like Kenyon Drake. I like his skill set. I don't love it. And considering the fact that the Cardinals paid DeAndre Hopkins, they're bound to pay Kyler Murray for the way he's played because that duo is something special. I mean, Bill O'Brien was just fired rightfully so after what we've seen from these two guys. It's been absolutely incredible to watch. For Kenyon Drake's standpoint, he's just, and especially in Miami, he's one of those guys that's going to give you production but is he going to make a game-changing difference like a Christian McCaffrey would or like a Saquon or a Dalvin or a Henry? Is he going to make a game-changing difference? Like, and I'm going to say no because the three components I look at when it comes to running backs are size, speed, and skill. 
And to me, Kenny Drake is one of those guys that is kind of, to me, leans more towards the skill kind of guy, which is, he, he does, to me, he does fit in the Cliff Kingsbury system very well. But are they going to give him big money? I just don't see it. They just moved on from David Johnson, who was looked to be a very beloved player in that franchise, a guy that they wanted to make a future cornerstone of the Arizona Cardinals. They moved on from him to get DeAndre Hopkins. I can see them moving on from Kenyon Drake, especially because of what you just mentioned, them having a couple guys in the rear, in the, in the back, back seat there that they believe in. So if Kenyon Drake comes in the next season, pulling full on, I want to get my money, I'm going to hold out this, that, and the other thing, I could definitely see them making a move and trading him and to get more weapons for that defense because we start stacking the deck with that defense that's going to be an extremely dangerous team moving forward. And I look at the offense, the way it's improved. Kyler Murray looks a lot more comfortable in the pocket right now. So it's not like you need a high-paid running back to have this guy produce. So I like Kenny Drake. He's got value. But in terms of his future with the Cardinals, maybe not quite. And maybe that might be beneficial for him. If he goes to a team – Similar, like his situation in Miami, he might get a little more touches, might get more on the offense, because once Kyler Murray hits his prime, that's going to be the entire Cardinals offense. Let's be real. Once Kyler Murray starts hitting that third, fourth year stretch, he's going to be the man, top five quarterback in the league, no question. So that's the future of the Cardinals, not Kenyon Drake. But if you want to have a guy in a high-powered offense in fantasy, Kenyon Drake's a good guy to have. I've always been a fan of grabbing guys that are parts of great offenses, even if they're not one of the top two, maybe even not top three producers in those offenses. They're always great to have. So it's gonna. That's a very interesting take there. It's very. It's gonna be very interesting to see what's gonna happen there in Arizona. Yeah, and I, I you brought up QB two. I brought up brief. I briefly mentioned. RB2 um, with Daryl Williams behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Chase Edmonds is employed in 46% of Yahoo, 34% of um, ESPN, and he, he has one drop on the season. And like I mentioned, Kenyon Drake has – Kenyon Drake has – he has the talented hands. Like we, we've seen him – we've seen what he can do in the passing game. But it's the lack of consistency that is very worrying, worrisome. And I know this is mostly a redraft podcast for now, but Chase Edmonds to me, Chase Edmonds is in one of my dynasties. I am in one of I am in a dynasty where um, I'm with my cousins, and I would I would I would love to have them on one of these um, with you guys because um, they 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 are very knowledgeable with fantasy. I'm in a dynasty with them and. So basically what we did was we, they dropped, so I picked up a team, like just an inactive team. And what happened was they had, they had a period of time, like two, three days to pick whatever guys they want and put them on waivers. So the majority of my team are waiver teams. I traded for some, I traded for pick or I traded away a lot of my draft picks. And now I'm kind of, um, kind of building now. And it's, it's, it's honestly fun. Like it sucks just to be in the down low now, but it's fun. I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> but back to Chase Edmonds, though. Chase Edmonds, my point was Chase Edmonds is in this dynasty league that I have. And Chase Edmonds this season is averaging six points a game, 6.3 points a game. 
And coming off this game, week one, he had 10. Week one, he had 10 and a half points, fantasy points. He did have a fumble. He had a fumble the first two weeks. And Kenyon Drake has also struggled with fumbles. He, I know they were saying he, like early in his career, before his NFL career, I think it was in college at Alabama, um, he only fumbled once his senior season, but they did say he's fumbled six times throughout the majority of his career. So, I mean, obviously, like, his fumbling is in, like, isn't terrible, um, isn't a level of concern, but there definitely – I shouldn't say it is not a level of concern because at times it, is, it does become a level of concern. But what concerns me more is when I draft a running back, especially um, – a starting caliber running back. I want someone that can produce in the run and passing game. And Chase Edmonds, we've seen what Chase Edmonds can do. Chase said, Chase Edmonds has two touchdowns in the passing game on the season. Chase Edmonds in week one with a healthy Niners defense with Solomon Thomas and both, both Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa playing. He had five targets. He had three, he had three receptions for 19 yards and a touchdown. And then uh, week four, he had five receptions for 24 yards and a touchdown. So we we know the Cardinals love running backs that can produce both in the run and passing game. David Johnson, David Johnson's done it. Obviously, he dealt with the injury issues. Uh, Kenyon Drake's done it. And we've seen what Chase Edmonds can do. And I, I mean, we seem to kind of both be in agreement here that I, I just don't think – I think the Cardinals have the pieces to work around finding another running back for their future. And I think it, I think it could be – I think it very well could be Chase Edmonds in their backfield. If they, if they view Chase Edmonds as a starting caliber running back, I mean, he, he, we've seen flashes of him. We've seen flashes of him. Um, so, I, I mean, that's, that's just how I feel personally as well. Um, I'm, I've always kind of been on the side, especially this year. Ken, Kenyon Drake is playing through, through, that, through that franchise tag. I'm not saying Kenyon Drake is by any means um, having a terrible season because he's not. Like, he's, again, he's on pace. Um, his, his, his second and third year in the season, he averaged in 2017, he averaged 6.9 points of fantasy a game. 2018, he had 9.6. He's got 8.4 right now through the first four weeks of the season. And I think he's on pace to have another, like another solid season. He, he does have impressive stats. Um, week four, he is coming off of 35, um, 35 rushing and a touchdown, which isn't overly impressive. We haven't seen his best week um, did come in within the first two weeks. Um, his first, his second week, excuse me, had, he had no touchdowns, but he had 20 for 86. Um, and then his other, his, um, his week one game against San Francisco, he had 16 for 60 and a touchdown, um, averaging, averaging three a carry or averaging 3.8 yards a carry week one, 4.3 week two. But you can just see like the regression that he's gone through the, through the, through the first four weeks of the season. And he really needs to step it up. And it's not, I'm not just talking Kenyon Drake because I can the Cardinals are two and two on the season. I don't think anyone expected the Panthers to be this hot early in the season. Oh, definitely not. Um, that's, that's, that's definitely a trend, most definitely, in this uh, league so far this season. And that's going to bring us to our next topic, which is the trends that we want to bring up. There's, through the four weeks of this season, there's definitely a lot of trends that are 
getting hot, getting cold. So my question to you, Sam, is what is a major trend that's going on in fantasy that you want to bring to attention in this podcast? So my trend, my trend might be kind of obvious, maybe obvious to some people. But my trend, go, he's, he's a tight end, and he goes by the name of Big Bob Tanyan. Oh, you would have guessed. He, he's coming off of an impressive week. And I would just like to say, like, as a Packer fan, when you have both your top wide receivers, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazardo, and you still produce at a high level, Aaron Rodgers still produces as an elite quarterback, I think he's playing as an MVP caliber quarterback. I think Russell Wilson's in the lead right now for my number one, but I think Aaron Rodgers is number two or number three. I would even put him at number two right now. Um, but if you can produce – if that offense as a whole produces at a high level, pr- produces like an elite offense with your two top guys, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard out. Like that, that makes me like so happy. Like, especially like I, I also like, I've mentioned this a few times throughout the like, past few streams I've been on in podcasts. Matt LaFleur loves his tight ends. And I, I think it's time that we, I think the Packers are in a regime where they need to find that solidified tight end. And Jimmy Christensen of Game On Wisconsin tweeted out about Jay Sternberger the other day. Like literally, either the, I think it was the next day or like as soon as the Monday Night Game ended. He said, Robert Tanyan's game tonight shows just how much you need to let, um, just shows how much tight end is a position that you need to give time to develop. Look at Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams didn't show up to his third year. I've, I've, I, said this on Chase, I said this on our pod when I had Chase on, so I'll just give a few examples. I think people are split between MBS because the people that are not on his side are saying he, um, you know, like obviously a lot of it goes on in his head, and he has that elite speed. He's the fastest wide receiver on our team. Him and EQ Brown are the only wide receivers in the Packers that run under a 4-5. MVS runs a 4-3-7. And we've seen him, like, the week one game against the Vikings, his first touchdown of the season, it was a great catch. And But then all of a sudden you see just ball, like, those balls flying, like, just right out of his hands. And Robert Tanyan has – and th- this was Chase's guide to show out because I picked MVS because I really thought MVS was going to come come out and really – start proving why he deserves a spot on this team because he's in the contract year. Um, but my point on Robert Tanyan, Robert Tanyan has, we've, we've, we've seen flashes of him last season, but um, he's, he's being utilized more and more. His average, his average, um, yeah, his average yards um, like for after the catch are going up or yards per catch are going up. Um, he went from 12 and a half to 10 um, to 16.3. So he has six receptions for 98 yards and three touchdowns. And this was a guy that I think, I don't think was trending in my opinion. I, I wouldn't say he was trending right after this game. I think he was trending after maybe even last week. Um, he's got 40. He, so this number, yeah, I think it's half surprising, but at the same time, I think this number will go, will go up. So he's owned in just 47% of leagues in Yahoo. 
and I'm in one Yahoo league. And what I think is really interesting about Yahoo leagues is um, it gives you a stat of how many. So I have Brandon Cooks on my bench. And the reason why I draft Brandon Cooks is because Brandon Cooks has posted 1,000 yard seasons every team he's been on. And obviously, like, I know Mike, Mike, Mike proved us. Mike proved us that um, Brandon Cooks wasn't as injury prone as we thought he was. Um, but obviously, he still dealt with those concussions. Um, but Robert Tanyan is 47% of Yahoo. And I like Yahoo because it gives you those interesting stats of Brandon Cooks has been dropped by 10,000 plus players in Yahoo, in Yahoo, players that play Yahoo Fantasy. 13% in ESPN. He has zero drops. He has a hundred. He has the 100 catch rate. His fantasy points. His fantasy points are a tight end too. So I think, um, don't quote me on this. I think, so he actually, I think he's leading the league in touchdowns. If I'm yes, he's tied. He's tied with Mike Evans with five for the most receiving touchdowns in the league after week four. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Darren Wall. I think he would, he think he just went ahead of Darren Waller or something like that, but yes, you're right. He's tied with Mike Evans in week five. And I mean, I I've, I've said this stat, um, Alex Strofe put on his Twitter. I think this is an awesome stat. I don't know if you saw this. I'll let you, I'll let you guess who this is. So big Bob Tanyan. He's the first tight end on the Packers to have a touchdown in three consecutive games since this player. Who do you think it is? Is it Sterling Sharp? What's up? Is it Sterling Sharp? Nope. Is it Bubba Franks? Yes. Okay, I knew I was. I, oh, mean, yes. I, I was gonna. Bubba Franks is my original guess, but interesting. It's yes. been so Bubba Franks in I thought I might go to Sterling. Yes, interesting. Bubba Franks in two thousand one, huh. um, which is interesting. You say that because everyone I've tried to like ask that question to, nobody's gotten it. A lot. Of, some people have said Jermichael yeah, Finley. Did man? I I was I was so I was I was torn. I because. Some historical, so I'm thinking, is he going Sterling Shepard on this one? <laughs> no, no. I mean, some people have guessed Jermichael Finley, which I feel like that's one of the first. Sharp, sharp. I said Shepard. I said Sterling Sharp. What's that? I said Sterling Shepard. I meant Sterling Sharp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but here's another one for you. Um, the last, he's the first one to have touched on in two consecutive games since who? This one's a little earlier. This Ooh. one's like, I. Like he was with our team in the playoffs. Like he was in the Mike McCarthy regime. Jermichael Finley. Few years of his career. Oh, I'm not his career. Towards the last few years of his tenure in Green Bay. It wasn't Finley. Nope. Later. Jared Cook. Yes, Jared Cook okay. in 2016. Nice job. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so I so. What I thought was really interesting is Chase pointed this out in our pod and the announcers brought it up and Robert Tanya went on drafted into the Lions, but he was in the same class as George Kittle. And what the announcers were saying, what Chase alluded to was Robert Tanyan is the next, or like was kind of forming into the next George Kittle. These were not his words but there was an article. And as soon as he said that, I looked it up later in the day. I'm like, Oh my gee, like he's right. Like 
I didn't know where he was finding this, but he like he found it like it was written in August. I think it was somewhere on ESPN. Um, but then the announcers brought up on Monday night that Robert Tunyon's been watching film of George Kittle, trying to learn off of him. So going back to the fantasy, I've mentioned before that Robert Tanyan has, um, you know, been utilized a lot more this year. And my point with J- Jimmy, I don't remember, I don't know if I answered this. So he tweeted out the other night and he said, Robert Tanyan's game on Monday night shows just how much you need to let the position develop um, at tight end, AKA Jay Sternberger. Because Jay Sternberger had a rough couple of weeks, but he really had that bounce back game in New Orleans. Um, but topic for another time. But Robert Tanyan, he went from his, so his first year in 2018, he averaged 0.9 a game, or 0.9, yes, 0.9 a game. Um, he had 13 fantasy points on the season. And obviously he was buried. He was buried in the depth chart. And the Packers have, so last year, the one tight end that kind of everyone thought was going to get cut, um, he did. He's on the Cardinals practice squad right now is Evan Bayless. The Packers have all – usually the Packers have kept four to five tight ends on their roster uh, with right now Bob Tanyan, uh, Jay Sternberger, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuar. Unfortunately, there was – the news came out yesterday that Josiah DeGuar tore his ACL. He is done for the season which is really – it really sucks because he was a fun player to watch. Even through the first few weeks of the season, people were already excited to watch him. But Robert Tanyan had .9 a game in 2018. Last season, he had one and a half a game. So he finished with 13.7 his rookie season, 16 his um, – 16 is his sophomore year. This season, he's got 47.3 points through four games, and he's averaging 11.8 a game. And he's got five touchdowns on the season. And like you mentioned, he's tied with Mike Evans. He's got a he's got a hundred percent contested catch rate. Obviously, it's early; it's through four games. But that, like the way he showed out, is very promising for a tight end room. Um, that the Packers have, you know, struggled to find that solidified tight end. And if if it's Bob Tanyan and Jay Sternberger's our tight end too, I think the Packers have got something really special in their in their tight end room. And I. I even Mercedes Lewis is a great example. Mercedes Lewis, if we went to went out and signed Mercedes Lewis to, to that one-year extension, um, I would have went out and signed Delaney Walker. And But obviously, so fantasy points, a game, 27.8 he had and Robert Tanyan had in week four. Um, I know there's some leagues, depending on how you're setting it up, uh, most of my leagues are PPR. Um, so he, he did have, I think he had he just over 30 points a game. Um, week three hit 11. Um, he did not play um, week one against Minnesota, but he's, he's progressed really well. He's gotten better every single week this season, um, even ever since he's entered the league. And, like, I think the coaches, even Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, and that's the big thing, too, is, like, building your trust with Aaron Rodgers. And I think what Rodgers said about MVS in his press conference, and I'll bring this up and I, I like to bring this up because I think it's interesting that even Rodgers said it. I think he has the faith in MVS, but a lot of it is, is a lot of it is his confidence and Robert Tanyan three touchdowns and he's employed in 
Um, less than half of both Yahoo and ESPN leagues. And this is a guy that's going to be, if he's not picked up right now in any of your leagues, throughout the next few games, that ownership is going to go up in both leagues. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something right now that's going to put a very cheesy grin on all Packer fans' faces. I'm going to – and what I'm about to say is this. Back in 2010, when the Packers were winning the Super Bowl, and when Jordy Nelson started making plays here and there over the course of every couple games, so he was kind of like fifth in the depth chart. But he made one big play. And I said to all my Viking fans in the room, this man is going to be a problem for the foreseeable future. And I was laughed at. I was laughed at. Everybody said, oh, no, no, no. It's just some fluky. It's going to be Randall Cobb. Greg Jennings is going to come back. Donald Driver's got a few years left. I said, nope, Jordy Nelson's going to be a problem. And I was right. I'm saying this right now. Robert Tanyan is going to be a problem. I have not seen Aaron Rodgers click with somebody like that in a very long time. And sure, they're going up against the Atlanta Falcons and Dan Quinn's defense. But I saw from Aaron Rodgers and Robert Tanyan on Monday Night Football is something that's going to be around for the foreseeable future. So if Robert Tanyan is not owned, you most definitely got to pick him up. This guy's going to finish as a top five tight end by the end of this season. When Aaron Rodgers having that much confidence in you and just reading Aaron Rodgers' body language. As a Viking fan, I have been, I've been all over Aaron Rodgers, studied him. I've watched him play a lot. He's frustrating. But one thing I will say is if you can get him off of his game, if you can get him a little mentally frustrated, a little bit of self-doubt, it can go a long way. And what I saw Monday night, he has a guy that he trusts. He has a guy that he wants to get the football. He has a guy that he wants to see succeed in Robert Tanyan, and that's dangerous. That is dangerous. I saw him join Aaron Rodgers I've not seen in a while, and Robert Tanyan sitting at the top of the league with five touchdowns with Mike Evans. I know it's just through four weeks of the season, but you got Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level. And when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, that automatically gives you value in fantasy no matter who you are. And with him showing up and showing out the way he did, you better watch out. And as a Viking fan, I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared. I have cold feet on this one. Aaron Rodgers is looking better than he ever has. He's looking more confident than he has in a very, very long time. And with the Vikings' defensive struggles, it not being the same way that it used to be, the Packers are most definitely a Super Bowl contender, maybe the top contender in the NFC right now. And a big part of that goes to Aaron Rodgers and Robert Tanyan. And for fantasy value, that's huge. This quarterback and that tight end, that's going to be something something else going forward because that those are two positions that are hard to fill. Receivers and running backs are always the deepest positions. You can find gems at those positions late, late, late in the draft. But with quarterbacks and tight ends, if you don't get your guy, you're going to be siphling through journeyman quarterbacks and tight ends through the entire fantasy season, which is frustrating as we all know. So what we saw Monday night, look for that. Look for more to come on that one. Yeah. And it's really great to see that the Packers have really hopefully started to finally, you know, solidify their long-term tight end 
um, because the Packers have had some unfortunate bad luck um, throughout the past few tight ends that they've had. Yeah, so my trend for this week, I'm actually going to stick in that NFC North and go with my team on this one, and that is Dalvin Cook. Are we seeing what this man is doing? 424 rushing yards with six rushing touchdowns through the first four weeks, while the top two running backs in the NFL were Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley headed into this draft, and they're both on IR right now. And I kind of like the fact that Sam's here with me on this one because we kind of – battled back and forth this and this is one that we've never quite seemed to agree on is the Dalvin Cook scenario and this is the what I'm the whole thing with Dalvin Cook is the one thing that people keep knocking him for is the injuries and I think that Dalvin Cook being injury prone is the most overstated most overrated little stereotype in the entire league because okay he tore his ACL his rookie year that can happen to anybody. We've seen that happen to – it just happened to Saquon Bar. It can happen to anybody. And the same franchise for the Vikings are kind of the team that broke the mold of the ACL tear with Adrian Peterson coming back in eight months and almost breaking Eric Dicker's record. So we're talking about the franchise that almost damn, almost invented the able to come back from that injury. So Dalvin Cook is out here balling out right now, and he was – a bit of a question mark coming into this year with his contract holdout, with the injuries. But if you are the guy that got Dalvin Cook at six or seven, five, wherever you got him, if you got Dalvin Cook right now instead of Christian McCaffrey and or Saquon Barkley, you have to be a happy, happy, happy camper right now. And I think Dalvin Cook is without a doubt right now proving that he is the best running back in football. He's got all the tools, side, speed, strength, talent. He can do it all. And with the Vikings offense that's starting to find its legs, starting to get a little more confident in Justin Jefferson as an absolute rising star in this league, Dalvin Cook is going to be the best running back in football this season and for some seasons going forward. It's interesting you bring up the – his injury and then coming back from um, and coming back and, you know, kind of having a very similar to a breakout season, very similar to what Adrian Peterson was doing. And like you mentioned, if you're drafting him in like the top 10 and you're a Delvin Cook owner over versus a team where I've got Saquon Barkley in quite a few of my leagues and versus a team that has Christian McCaffrey, who obviously he'll be back in a few weeks, but Week, week two was not a fun week to watch for if you're an NFL fan. Um, but if, I mean, as some people like to say it, Delvin Cook was cooking in week four. He had 26. He, he had a career or season, season high game, I should say. He had 26.6 fantasy points. Um, he had 27 attempts for 130 yards and two touchdowns. And we talk about players that, you know, aren't really, I guess it, uh, it also kind of does depend on how you are utilized in the offense. It kind of more so matters in college, more so than the NFL, but um, Delvin Cook, we've seen what he can do in the passing game. Um, I'm not saying it's not great, but it's just, he isn't utilized um, like that. And also, and also he's coming off of an injury and like you mentioned, so 
I mean, this might be one of those seasons or maybe even the first half of the season where you start to see him, where you start to see him, um, you know, kind of progress more in the passing game. And another player I want to talk about on that team is Alexander Madison. They drafted him out of Boise State a few seasons ago and they drafted him knowing that he had a very similar skill set to Delvin Cook. And obviously, I'm not making any comparisons right now, but that is literally what all these analysts and coaches were saying is he had a similar skill set to Alexander to Delvin Cook. Will he be the Delvin Cook? Will he be that polished up Delvin Cook? No. But is he a reliable the guy? Is he a reliable guy to split carries? And I know I would the injury prone thing, obviously, like you're you're making fair statements. But in terms of like Delvin Cook was gonna hold out. And is he good enough to hold out? Absolutely. And we've had multiple you and I seem to be on the same page in terms of Joe Mixon. I think you guys talked about that last week when you when you and Chase were on that. Um, because I don't think Joe Mixon's good enough to hold out. Um he had one I really need to see more of him. I will say he does deserve more credit. I saw someone had this kind of thing that people just need to accept is what the thing was. Joe Mixon should be given more credit because the Bengals do have an awful offensive line, but I don't think Joe Mixon's good enough to hold out. Um, but one, Delvin Cook was going to hold out. And in case those injuries, like if Delvin Cook does end up getting the, that injury bug, Alexander Madison's a reliable RB2. Yeah, no, I, I like Madison. I, I, I like the fact, although I will say, I do wish that that draft pick would have gone to an offensive lineman. That probably would be serving us a little bit yeah. better now the way that things are going but to me when you have a guy on the team like Dalvin Cook and and last year is a huge example of his importance he missed two games and only one of them was due to injury the one he missed the game against the Bears that was the last week of the season and they were resting their starters Kirk Cousins sat out that game too so he only missed one game last year due to injury and Packer fans remember that game all too well the game at the U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings couldn't move the football I'm, I know you remember that game. And if that's not indicative enough as to how important Dalvin Cook is to this offense and just how elite he is. And might I remind you that week two, he had his best game ever on the ground, and that only produced 17 fantasy points. So once they start opening up that passing game and getting him receptions, he's going to be putting up consistently – 20 to 30 points a game and that's just something that is absolute that, that that's so valuable in fantasy football everybody knows that if you can get one of those guys that's a matchup win for you every week and I, I would just like to name three running backs and Delvin Cook is on this list and these are three teams that literally like I don't think they had a choice Christian McCaffrey is at the top of my list because I don't think the Panthers had a choice at all um, because I, I, I say, I say he's at the top of my list because the Vikings have better weapons than, than the Panthers. Um, and you mentioned Justin Jefferson right there, Justin Jefferson, the past two weeks, he's put up on, he's put up very impressive stats and like a lot of people expected, like even week one, Jerry Judy did not look good. Henry Ruggs didn't look great. I pretty, I, if I remember correctly, Henry Ruggs went out for an injury. Jalen Rager's yeah, he's still out. Weeks. 
it is hard for those like, it is hard for rookie wide receivers to make that immediate impact and <clears throat> Justin Jefferson didn't show out until you know week three he didn't start though see that the interesting stat is that he's top he's top 10 right now in the league in receiving yards and he didn't even start the first two weeks yeah, exactly. And like I I 100% agree with you that he's going to be a rising star. I when Matt and I, when Matt Skur and I were talking about the Vikings, I think you might have been on there with us. I think Adam Thielen this year is going to solidify himself as a wide receiver one. But I think Justin Jefferson might have a higher ceiling than Adam Thielen. I like Yeah, Adam I think Jefferson's the number 1, right? I mean, I I'm, I'm Adam a, Thielen is most definitely the number 1 right now. You're, you're talking, talking about the term. I think Justin Jefferson certainly has the talent to you know, compete for that wide receiver one in the future. I think he's not, I mean, I could see, I think, I actually think Jefferson is going to speed up quickly. I believe that you're talking to the biggest Adam Thielen fan in the world right now. I think Adam is criminally underrated, but I think we've seen the best of him right now. I think he's going to take a step back now to Justin Jefferson, because I believe that Justin Jefferson is going to be better than Stefan Diggs ever was in Minnesota. And that is high praise because Stefan Diggs honestly should have his jersey number retired for the Vikings. But Justin Jefferson is going to be a star in this league. And Adam Thielen is still productive, but I honestly would like to see Adam Thielen take a little bit of a backseat because I think Adam Thielen has the type of skill set that can have a long career and a lasting impact in the NFL. So if you can take a little bit of a backseat, limit your hits a little bit, make the plays when it when they count like I know he can do, and let Justin Jefferson shine. That's going to be a great system in Minnesota when you have Dalvin Cook there as well. I'm, and I know the Vikings haven't gotten off to the start that I hoped they would. They had a rough, they had a rough off season, lost a lot of pieces on defense. They have a very young, and might I add, kind of a bit of a small secondary. I kind of next draft, I kind of like to see them go for a little bit of size in that secondary. But after last week, seeing what they can do with that offense. I'm feeling pretty good right now about my team. So there's actually another point that I want to bring up, but Christian McCaffrey was my number one. Uh, my number two, my number two is Saquon Barkley. My number three is Dalvin Cook because those three running backs are on a team that they, that those teams don't have a choice to sign them. If you lose Dalvin Cook, you like, if you watch, let's say Dalvin Cook leaves, after this season, and his, his extension's not even there, your offense is going to be well below average. You, you, are, you, are going to tell, you are going to tell how much your offense will suffer. Delvin Cook is the franchise cornerstone of your offense. I would, I, I would even argue you could put Alvin Kamara on this list too. Um, so my and second, Derek Henry as well. Yeah, definitely. My second point is this, and I guess this is kind of a question for you. I'm seeing a few teams like the – I've seen the Patriots and I've seen the Minnesota Vikings. Someone tweeted a Trevor Lawrence graphic of him in a Vikings uniform. The Vikings are not bad enough to be tanking, in my opinion. I guess that's a question for you. You know, okay. Here, see, here's what I, here's where I stand. A lot of Vikings fans don't like Kirk Cousins. And I think that we're a little overly critical of Kirk Cousins, the contract that he got, the whole, the whole totally guaranteed thing. It's just, it's been a really bad, been a bad chip on his shoulder. So I'm going to just kind of analyze him for what he is and not what he was supposed to be. Kirk Cousins 
the guy who can make passes, and he proved last year that he can win big in the playoffs. So we have a guy that we can that we can rely on because we have so much talent on offense. But here's the thing. The offensive line has been a top Achilles heel of the Minnesota Vikings. And it just started way back when Teddy Bridgewater was still our quarterback. It has not been fixed. Rick Spielman has shown sort of, in my opinion, an unwillingness to fix it. He doesn't draft offensive linemen. And that's, and I like Alexander Madison, but that's part of where my frustration comes from. You got Dalvin Cook. Why are you wasting second round picks on backup running backs when you clearly have a gaping hole, which is your offensive line. We haven't had a good offensive line. I, I don't even think I don't even think the Vikings have had a top flight offensive line in my entire tenure as a Vikings fan. So this is something you refuse to fix, which is horrible for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is one of the most immobile. He's he's not mobile at all. He's probably no, no, he's no, the least no. mobile quarterback in football. You know, he just he just doesn't he doesn't have that mental capacity to do that. And he doesn't have the mental toughness to be in a very crowded pocket. He needs a clean pocket. He needs a lot around him. So an idea that has been kind of cycling through my head over the course of the last couple of weeks is if Rick Spielman just can't seem to figure out this offensive line, if, if the offensive line is, if, we're, if, if I'm at the point now where I just have to accept the fact that the Vikings are never going to have an offensive lineman, I want the Vikings to draft Justin Fields. And that the reason I say that is the mobility. We got so many weapons on this team, and if you add Justin Fields to that, there's a lot that you can work with. You got Gary Kubiak as an offensive coordinator there. If we can keep him around and you can get Justin Fields in there, I would love to see what he could do. And that's not to say that I don't like Kirk Cousins. Trust me. Trust me. I've been... If you don't, if you're a Vikings fan and you don't like Kirk Cousins, might I remind you of the Christian Ponder years? Might I remind you of the Matt? Can, can, can we can, can we just be happy that we have a guy that's an NFL caliber starting quarterback for once? But yes, if if Rick Spielman refuses, like he has done over the last six years, to fix the offensive line, we need to get a mobile quarterback. We we can't. It's not going to work. Kirk Cousins has been hounded these first couple weeks in those first two losses, especially against the Colts, they were in his face all day long. So if you're not going to fix the offensive line, draft Justin Fields. We're not going to, we're not bad enough to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is going to end up in Jacksonville or whatever team decides to tank for him. That's, that's out of the question, but just real. I'm going to be really upset if he goes to the jets. Sam Darnold was not the problem. But that's another no. decision. No, sir. That's that's that is that is that is most definitely another topic. <laughs> that is most definitely another topic that must be touched on in multiple other podcasts. That he's not the problem. Exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna close this podcast here with our stardom stick for the Thursday night football game tomorrow. It is a rematch between Nick Foles and Tom Brady and a bit of an odd twist to this is that Nick Foles has actually got the upper hand in that series, as usually Tom Brady has the upper hand in his series with other quarterbacks in terms of the wins. So, and who are your stardom? Well, who is your stardom and who is your sit-em for this week in that matchup? So my stardom, 
is Allen Robinson. And it, what I'm kind of surprised by um, on the David Montgomery side is David Montgomery played, played really well. He didn't have a great rookie season, but he played really well his rookie season. And like he, he, like he, it seems like he's almost seems like he's on pace to, you know, live up to that, to where he was selected. And now all of a sudden you go into the season, people are writing him off. He went into week one um, with an injury bug. Um, but my, my stardom is Allen Robinson. Um, there was a, um, I know he, he started having contract disputes. I want to bring this up. I think this is so funny. I, I have it saved on my phone. It, it was a tweet from um, Pro Football Focus, Brad Spielberger. <laughs> Quote, unquote. If I'm Allen Robinson and I get offered Patrick Mahomes' contract from Chicago, at this point, <laughs> I'd probably say let me sleep on it, which I think is absolutely – I think it's so funny. But I yeah. said it to my friend, he goes, yeah, let me sleep on half a million. <laughs> half a billion. <laughs> um, but anyways, Allen Robinson jo- does have one drop on the season. His fantasy points, he's, he has two touchdowns on the season, which is tied – which is in the top ten. Um, 331 receiving yards, again, in the top 10. Fantasy points, his total as a wide receiver, 11. So he's averaging 11.2 fantasy points a game. He is coming off 16 a game. Um, so he's progressively gotten better throughout the first four weeks of the season. So he's gotten 16.1 this week, 18.3 last week, 3.3 little down week in week two against the Giants. Week one, 7.3. So he's really opened up with a strong showing, and he's, start, he's really making a case for himself. He deserves to be in Chicago's wide receiver room on that off in that offense long term so coming off of coming off of um their week four loss against the colts which neither might i remind you this was their first test um they they didn't play anyone but if you want to talk about another test that's an even bigger test i think it's the tampa bay buccaneers um but indianapolis against the colts Allen robinson had seven receptions he had 10 targets. He had seven receptions for three or for 101 yards and a touchdown. And he averaged 10 yards a target. And again, he had 16.1% or 16.1 fantasy points. His contested catch rate is a 50, which is 44th in the league. A little bit, I would say, mediocre there. Um, but he's really making a case for himself that he deserves to be in this backfield, or be in this wide receiver room with Chicago. Um, Long term, and if he shows out, to, if he shows out like we've seen him do in big games like this, um, he deserves none other than an extension from the Chicago Bears. But my stardom is Allen Robinson against the Buccaneers. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I I, I think that he's and he's a guy to me who's very he's very underrated, but it's because he's been on teams that aren't known for high-volume offense. As I mentioned before, Cardinals are a hot team right now because they're a high-volume offense. Just being in a high-volume offense gives you fantasy value. And Allen Robinson's never been in that, but he's consistently put up numbers that would suggest he's a number one, number two receiver. So that's that's a great stardom for this week. My stardom is actually kind of piggybacking off what you said. I'm actually going to go with David Montgomery on this one because I believe that the Bears are going with an offensive-minded coach, and knowing that Matt Nagy making the switch to Nick Foles, and it was a rough week last week for the Bears. 
it, it kind of, they kind of showed some of their weaknesses because I think that they had a very easy schedule those first three weeks. I think that I don't think that any, yes. <laughs> did, I mean, what wasn't 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 the combined record of their first three opponents zero and nine after week three? Didn't they face three winless opponents? I'm pretty sure they did. Yep, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah, so, so looking at that, I'm saying that. I think going into this game, you're going to want to keep the ball away from Tom Brady as much as possible. And you got David Montgomery in that backfield. And I don't want to say that I'm one of those people who is writing him off, but I watched him against the Vikings a couple times last year. I've seen him in games that I've turned the Bears on. And I just, I haven't, I, I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I think that they have him there to go more in with a tandem of Tariq Cohen. But for this specific game, I think they're gonna be giving him the football. And he's got impressive stats for the first four weeks. He had eight points, 21 points, seven points, 10 points. So he's putting up, you know, kind of up and down, but he's getting consistent carries. He's been getting, you know, 10 plus carries for the most of his games. I believe that they're gonna try to utilize him. I think they're gonna try to establish the run get him going, take time off the clock, because this is going to be a very tough game for the Bears. It's going to be a very tough game for their defense as well with going up against Tom Brady. Yeah, that's an interesting one because there's a lot of fantasy you know, experts that um, kind of have him as a shaky matchup because he, he struggled. Um, he struggled in the Bears' first test this season, like you mentioned, 0-9 combined. He struggled against Indianapolis. Um, like you, you, you really hit it right on the money there. Like he's been up and down for the first four weeks of the season. And the only challenging defense, he went through Detroit, who I think Detroit is getting a little bit more hype than they actually should. New York Giants have nothing. Atlanta defense is depleted with injuries. Indianapolis is definitely an upgrade from the first three weeks of football that the Bears played. But David Montgomery had 27 yards, averaging 2.7 yards a carry and zero touchdowns. Um, and didn't really do a ton in the receiving game, did the most week four. He only, he just, he only had three receptions for 30 yards and 7.7 a game. Um, but I will say this, though. If, he, if, he, if you are right and David Montgomery produces at least 10 or more points, I will come back here and say, I told you so. Or I will come back here and you can, say, you can tell me I told you so. <laughs> For sure. You got it, man. <laughs> Who's your sit-em for this week? Um, so my sit-em is another tight end. Um, back to the tight end position. Big Bob Townsend's trending up. I think, I think Rob Gronkowski's trending down. And this might come to a surprise to some people, maybe because O.J. Howard tore his Achilles and is out for the season. Um, and my guess is Bruce Arians' view on Rob, Rob Gronkowski might change. When O.J. Howard was healthy about a week or two ago, he, he, he came out to the media and said, Bruce Arians said Rob Gronkowski is a blocking tight end, which, which, is, kind of, which is really surprising to me um, because he's the top five tight end of all time. But on the other side, he hasn't touched the football field in a year. Like, yeah, he was in WWE, so he has conditioned. And like, yeah, WWE is fake, but it takes a lot of skill. And maybe I say that because I used to watch it, but like, I mean, d WWE, he was in wrestling, which takes a lot of skill. Like, so he stayed conditioned, but that doesn't, that's not the same thing as he hasn't played football in a year. I think Darius and I have been on the same page with this at all. I think the, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
are all hype. I don't think the Buccaneers are contending. And this may be a bold statement. I don't think, I don't even, I think Darius might have been on my side too. I'd love to have Darius on and kind of talk this. I'm not sure where you stand on this, but Rob Gronkowski is also going into this, going into this game um, questionable. And they're going to have to rely on a lot of Cameron Bray and a lot of Rob Gronkowski. And I'll be honest, I have Rob Gronkowski as one of my tight ends. He's not my starting tight end. Um, I think my starting, I don't even remember who my starting tight end. And my, I think, I think at the time it was Darren Waller, but I had to make like you kind of, like you actually kind of introduced to the start of the podcast, like your trades. I had to make all these moves because I lost Barkley um, in some of my leagues. I had, I even traded out Devonte Adams um, for other receivers and another running back um, in some of my leagues. But I had to make all these moves to kind of have my teams still compete for the rest of the season because we're only through the first four weeks. But Rob Gronkowski, um, his fantasy points right now, he has just 88 receiving yards. But like I mentioned, he's not utilized that much. And going into this season, I would argue Godwin's one. Evans is two. I think you could argue Mike Evans is one. Chris Godwin's two. Yeah, I would argue Leonard Fournette is number three, the third, the third weapon, and Rob Gronkowski's number four. I'm like you, yeah. I mean, I, well, to me, Gronk is just a smokescreen from the beginning. You know, it just it was never they were never going to use him the way. No. Like if you, if you really if people really think that he was going to produce like a top ten, I don't care what team he's going to, a top ten caliber running back. Like no, you're lying to yourself. Like come on, like it. Like I, I, I drafted him. Like, would you draft him? Sure. Like as a tight end too. Yeah. I, I, I picked him up as a tight end too. Maybe I'm one of your tight end buys. I think I dropped him, but he's in a lot of, um, I'm sorry. I don't have stats here. of like how many, how many times or how many teams have dropped him, but he is employed in 55% of Yahoo and 75% of ESPN. So there, there, there is still a lot of faith in fantasy owners, um, on both of those platforms. Um, cause obviously well over half in ESPN and 55% in the Yahoo. And my big guess is, and some people might have a stardom as Rob Gronkowski, but I just want to go through the whole, whole, like this season, even when Rob, when Rob Gronkowski was the tight end one, he averages 2.9 a game. He, he, had, he averages 2.2 a game. I'm sorry. He had 2.9, um, in week four. He has yet to have a touchdown. His, his, his season-high game, his season-high game comes in week three against the Denver Broncos. Who had, he had six receptions, for 48 yards. He has not a single touchdown this year. And need I remind you, and this might be, maybe you might disagree with me on this one. Well, I think, I don't know, I think you might have better points based on the Buccaneers offense as a whole because I think the Buccaneers offense as a whole is absolutely impressive and is elite. But the Bears are a top five defense in the NFL, arguably. And was a tight end one in Tampa. He has not produced at the level that everyone has expected him to produce. And especially he's going going into this game banged up. He's questionable for a shoulder injury, so he might even be a game-time decision. Um, And if he plays, he's going to be playing banged up. So if he's playing banged up, you're either going to see less targets of him as a tight end one or you might see more targets from Cameron Bray and less of Gronkowski for this week because Gronkowski is playing with that banged up shoulder. 
But my sit is Rob Gronkowski against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and it's just, it, to, to me, ever since the season started, he's just been, we've, he's not, he's, he's there because Brady needed someone to help him get into the new locker room. You know, Brady, 20 years with the Pats, something like that. I think it was just 20, was it exactly 20 years he was with the Patriots? Yep. So, yeah, so he, he's been with the Patriots since 2010, then he retired after the 2018 season, didn't touch the field in 2019. No, Brady, Brady. Oh, Brady, yes, yes. Yeah, right. it was exactly 20 years. Yep. Yeah, so you're, you're going into a new locker room, so I believe that they brought him there because they wanted someone there that he can be comfortable with. But ultimately, he just doesn't look right to me. I, he doesn't look physical. He doesn't even he, – he just – he doesn't look like the Gronk. He's not the same Gronk. The, 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 the old Gronk is a memory. He's a memory. This, this guy, this imposter, is not Gronkowski. The way he's running routes, the way he's blocking, it just it's – not, it's not the same Gronk. He's just there for Brady specifically. And – but that, that's, that's not to take away from the Buccaneers' offense and what they've been able to do. You lost week one to the Saints, a game that you should have lost and a lot of people overreacted to. But are you seeing what they've been doing the last couple of weeks, especially last week against the Chargers? Brady got up to, what was it, 369 yards and five touchdowns? And Chris Godwin's banged up? Yep. And th- th- this is a dangerous team. I, I, I'm, I'm actually going to have to go ahead and disagree with you and Darius. I believe that they are most definitely contenders. Will they get? To, I don't think they will get to the Super Bowl. I think that they're going to get bounced out wild card or divisional round. But don't sleep on this team and what they can do because Tom Brady is still very much Tom Brady. If you give him the football down by four, two minutes left in the game, I'm taking Tom Brady ten times out of ten. And I'm not writing off their offense at all. Obviously, their offense is absolutely elite. And I knew right away going into this season, I think – I will tell you this. I was on the other side of – I think there were a lot of people saying that Tom Brady's still going to be regressing. Yeah, he's regressing. But I was still on the other side of Tom Brady. My Tom Brady, I think statistic, statistically, because he has better weapons. I mean, I think Nikhil Harry – Nikhil Harry was obviously banged up with injuries his rookie season. But he has better weapons in Tampa. He might have better protection in New England, which he most definitely does. And I think the biggest part of their offense right now is still their offensive line. It's not terrible, but it definitely does need an upgrade. And Tristan Werps was a really nice draft pick for them at the time. But I was on the side that I think statistically by the end of this season, Tom Brady is going to be a top 10 running, top 10 quarterback. Excuse me. Um, by the by the end of the season maybe like probably like in the in the bottom half like nine or ten but Tom Brady has all the pieces to succeed in that offense and they're building an offense for Tom Brady most definitely and that's actually that's actually going to lead me to my sit which is the Bears defense <laughs> you might you might call that kind of a lazy pick but I will say this in my fantasy career I've had certain success when it comes to looking at a matchup, seeing a defense on the waiver wire, picking them up, and then having a huge week. If you see a team that's – if you see a defense that's playing like, oh, I don't know, the Jets or, you know, what the Browns used to be 
or the Jaguars of the last couple of years, if you see a defense that's playing one of those teams and you got the Bears, I urge you to pick that defense up and start them this week because Tom Brady is going to light this Bears defense up. It's a bad matchup for the Bears defense because Tom Brady's not going to – Tom Brady's got so many weapons on that offense that he's going to get the ball out quick. They're not going to be able to hound him the way that like to hound other quarterbacks. He's going to make them back up. He's going to make them second-guess themselves. Khalil Mack's not going to be able to do what he normally does. And I think that the Bears' defense is going to have a really, really rough week this week. So if you're on the fringe and you might need a defense to explode and give you some extra points this week, look at the waiver wire, look at some matchups, see where you could get some interceptions, maybe some pick sixes, what offenses are banged up? Do some digging because this is not the week to start the Bears defense. Like your picks this week. I'll, again, I'm going to say this again. I mean, the, Bear, the Bears do have a test. The Bears do have a test. The Bears have played literally nobody this season. And I don't, I'm not going to repeat myself with the, with the types of teams that they've played, but 0-9. Third time that we've mentioned this on this podcast, on this episode. I mean, 0-9. They, they've played nobody. People were going into the 3-0 team. I think I was listening to the radio. I don't remember if it was like the game or ESPN Milwaukee. And they were saying like, oh, like the Bears are 3-0. Like this is, I think this was before they benched Trubisky for Nick Foles too. And they were saying that, oh, the Bears are 3-0. Like that, they keep, if they keep winning, that's going to make it that much tougher for the Packers to win the division. Like, dude, look at their schedule. Where do the Vikings get their hands on them? Trust me, Dalvin's going to run all over them. Like, ridiculous. Yeah, no, d- yes. <laughs> and, like, the reason why I, th- I think the Packers – I have Packers have a chance to go 13-3 and again. I had them going 11-5 yes. week one. Yeah. Or before the start of the season. But the way they're playing now, I think we split against the Bears because of that defense. And I think the run defense – I think David Montgomery, I think they're – like, we've seen teams take advantage of our run defense. And it's not – like, even, even, the, even the Lions – like, the Lions are the team in the NFC North that haven't found their identity at the running back position. We all thought it was going to be Carrion Johnson. But then you go in and bring Adrian Peterson, like Christian alluded to on our pod a few weeks ago. You go, in, you go and sign Adrian Peterson, who was shockingly cut by the Washington football team. And you bring him in, and the second he gets in, the first game he plays, he gets the majority of the carries. And people write off Carrion Johnson because he, had, he went out with those injuries and – Obviously, like this team is another team we can kind of go more in depth on, but obviously, I mean, in my opinion, I don't see the Swift. They drafted Jason Huntley, who's now on the Eagles, um, but they went out and drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round, which to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense, seeing as they already have a speed back in um, in Carryon Johnson. Um, and they need that power back, and I guess maybe that's what they needed in Adrian Peterson, but the Lions are a team now that in the NFC North that haven't found their identity at the running back position. Um, but conversation for another time, but looks like we got both our stardom situms. My stardom is um, A-Rob, situm is Gronk. Your stardom is David Montgomery. Situm is the Bears defense. Yep, that's a, that is, that's a very interesting stardom situm. I like the variety of positions that we brought to the table in that one. And that's going to close this week of the Fantasy Scoop with Dairy Sports. I'm your co-host, James Streetfry. 
This is a co-founder of Dairy Sports, Sam Daring. We are signing off and we will see you next week for more fantasy discussion. Stay tuned.